filled with teaching, truths and issues that matter. Bernie Diamond's A Different Perspective, part of Night Vision each weeknight. Details at vision.org.au. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. We're talking today about being anxious. You know, there are two words that appear frequently in the Bible. Those words, fear not. In fact, somebody's worked out there are hundreds of references, even one for each day of the year. We're turning our attention today to a question that asks, are you anxious? And whether it's fear of the future or worry about the past, these can lead to, for some, crippling depression, guilt, even panic attacks. A conversation today about fear and being anxious, as well as how we might approach these things as Christian believers. Is there an extra tool in the Christian toolbox that helps us deal with the sorts of fears that can sometimes paralyze? Well, Peter Sorkir is back with us today, a former pastor, now a Christian therapeutic life coach who leads Peter Empowering You. Peter Sorkir, a special welcome back to 2020. Thank you so much for having me again, Neil. It's lovely to be here. Hey, Peter, let's start just with some clarification, I think, because fear, anxiety, people wonder about uh, is, you know, there's all sorts of different sorts of fears, uh, even di- different depths of fear. Where do we, where do we make sense of, of this word anxiety? Mm. Well, anxiety is when we're concerned about something and it could be on a very low level or it could be, as you mentioned in the introduction, something reaching to a panic attack. And so anxiety really is like a continuum and it's a bit of a seesaw. We can be on either end. and uh, But we need something to do to combat it. And as Christians, we have amazing tools in our Christian toolbox, but we don't always activate them because we don't always recognise that they are tools and that we are fighting a battle. I'm, I'm imagining too that uh, it may be that we might be affected by anxiety uh, because we haven't really got a good grip on what that means for us, uh, that somehow we haven't even recognised that. So when you've got real fear for the future, as I mentioned in the introduction, or worry about the past, are these sort of maybe even that low-level anxiety that you were talking about? Yes, we could just be thinking about tomorrow and how we have to do A plus B plus C to get to D, and we find ourselves ruminating a little bit on that. So that's a low level, but it's still a form of anxiety because we're not enjoying our present moment. And then there's that, the tomorrow. Or we could be thinking about yesterday, oh, I wish I'd said this when so-and-so did that. Oh, if I'd done it that way, that wouldn't have happened. And then our relationship would be a bit better. Oh, next time I'll have to do that. So, yes, we're learning from it. But if, again, we're ruminating, which means we're going over and over, we're thinking about it constantly or even often, that is a part of anxiety too. And, again, it's taking us away from our present moment, which isn't a good thing, Neil. Uh, losing sleep at night, uh, staying awake and your mind is uh, never resting and uh, challenging times ahead for a lot of people. I mean, just, uh, you know, if you if you pick up some sort of an example, a cafe owner uh, whose expenses now are starting to outweigh uh, how much is coming each week and mm. uh, worries about money, 
uh, mm. all sorts of things that are going on right now. Those people who are challenged with their mortgage rates mm. going mm. up and wondering mm. if they can hold on to the rental property or whether they might yeah. be the next homeless uh, living in a tent in a park. All of these mm. sorts of things. I imagine this is where we're talking about, you know, where anxiety really can bite Yes, yes. And certainly at the moment, you mentioned some examples of cafe owners and mortgages and rent. And and certainly that's where we're living today, isn't it? In this society where money is very tight, the cost of living is increased. And so how do we pay the bills? How do we find the money? What do we do about the the money we've got? Where do we spend it? So that's something to really get anxious about. There's a lot in this world right now to be anxious about and to fear and and to be concerned about. Mm. Uh, You know what? Even on an international scale, uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine and Mm. the potential for nuclear war. Mm. As I reminisce back to, say, the 1970s, 80s, and uh, I was around then, and, uh, you know, I suspect you were too. I was. People people were at one point, they're really afraid of nuclear war. That doesn't seem to be as big a fear right now, but people are even more afraid of what they perceive as a significant climate crisis. So there's all sorts of things. These things are not just local to us, personal to us, family to us, but they're all sorts of things that are affecting us whenever we're exposed to the news headlines. Yes, it's a, that's the big picture. So there's the micro picture, there's our world, and there's concerns there, and there's our environment. Yes, there's uh, we need... We need to do something about the world and our environment and and the sea and um, the pollution. And then there's the international concerns. And it is such a concern when we think about and we turn on the news, um, Ukraine. And uh, I think I I read somewhere recently how many wars there are happening right now. There's a, a phenomenal amount. I think of 20 or 30 wars are being fought right now. It's not just Ukraine. That's what we see. So you can look. You don't have to look far, Neil, to to find something to worry about. That is for sure. Well, we are typically not fear mongers. And uh, what we are typically about is how do you deal with uh, the fear when it is there? Is there a tipping point, do you think, Peter, where you might be thinking, well, of course, I have some anxiousness because, well, isn't that just a normal way of, you know, being part of a family, holding down a job and having responsibilities? But at what point do you think there's a tipping point where you tip over and you start to have some bouts of depression or you're feeling guilty about what you should have done but you didn't do or you're having panic attacks? Is there a tipping point? Is there something you should look at? Well, I think you've mentioned a couple of them there. I think when when you get to a tipping point, whatever that is for you, for the listener, we all have our own edge, if you like, and we know when we've tipped over, we're just crossing over to that edge, and we just need to be aware of our personality and what that thing is and then how we are feeling. We really have to monitor ourselves, and if we get to a point where we want to give up on life, we want to give up on the world, we want to give up on people, when we just can't cope, it could be via a panic attack, it could be you want to crawl into a cupboard and shut the door and stay there. Uh, whatever it looks like, it can be different for every person. But we know when we're there because we're not coping. We don't want to continue in the vein that we are continuing, the, the way we're living. So that is, okay, it's time to take stock. It's a sign to say, okay, this is where I am. It's not good. I need to do something.
Okay, let's bring in a faith dimension here because mm. uh, what we're going to be talking about through the hour is what is that extra tool or those tools that are in the toolbox of the Christian believer because how we deal with this uh, anxiety is going to be very important. Where do we start? If you're talking about, you know, what tools do we have extra as Christian believers, uh, where do we start, Peter? Well, the best place to start is the Word, is the Bible. And this, you mentioned perhaps one mention of fear or do not fear in the Bible for every day. I've, I've heard that there are over 500 mentions or allusions to fear. So God is quite, um, he's got that at the top of one of his list, if you like, in terms of what we need to consider about our Christian walk. If there's so many mentions of it in the Bible, then obviously he wants to address it and he wants us to address it. So that's where we go to first. You can just type in fear in, in your app, you know, your Bible app, and there'll be plenty that come up. And so you choose one, whatever the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart, that seems to resonate with you. Uh, but the Word has it. The Word has our answers. And we need to find through the Word what's going to work for us using His Word um, praying, believing that he can bring an end or um, give us some insight into what we're experiencing so that we can find our way through. Now let me take you into some deeper waters early in our conversation because uh, you could write the words, fear not, or yep. I could write the words, fear not. I could write a very nice letter or an essay or something like that and put fear not in there. That doesn't have the sort of weight that those words have when you know that God says, fear mm. not. I wonder if mm. you've got any thoughts here. It is a little bit uh, into the deeper end here, but there's mm. something powerful in that this is what God says, and that's mm. why you can have faith in mm. him uh, that there'll be some alleviation of that challenge. Mm. We can read some words on a page, you're right, uh, we, we can look at the words and they can resonate with our eyes. They can resonate with our mind. But do they resonate with our heart? And when they resonate with our heart, that is God speaking directly to our spirit. So we really can look at the word and know that that is God speaking through his word to our heart, to our spirit, via his spirit. And so now when we get this revelation of what he's saying and who is saying it to us, you're absolutely right, who is speaking to our heart, then we can now receive these words are straight, they're straight from the throne room to us for our life today and for our situation, for whatever we're going through. We can receive that. There's one particularly strong verse, and I'll mm. get your thoughts on it, out of Second Timothy mm. chapter 1 and verse 7. For God mm. has not given us the spirit of fear, but mm. of power and of love and of a sound mind. Uh, mm. That's a powerful starting point, isn't it? Mm, it is. And uh, it's very powerful. I think I looked it up in the Amplified. Let me just double check that. <laughs> I think I did before we started <laughs> to speak. Um, no, it's another one. <laughs> That's all right. We might come to, to that later. Um, so with this spirit of fear, it's very clear that God is saying that fear is a spirit. Now, if fear is a spirit, and the Bible tells us in Ephesians 6, we're not fighting flesh and blood. We're not fighting people here. 
and if fear is a spirit, then this is actually what we're fighting. We're fighting a spirit who wants to bring us down as Christians, who wants to sow the seed of discontent, fear, anxiety, um, whatever we're going through, depression, worry. He wants to sow this so that we will be immobilized, Neil. And if we are immobilized, we can't do the Great Commission. We can't live in peace or joy. We can't live the life that we are. We have been destined to live so therefore we can't have the fruit that we are also destined to have so this is this fear is a very important business for us to address and you even make reference in the series that you've been teaching about this to the fact that that fear can become a stronghold in the life mm. of a believer what do you mm. mean by a stronghold mm. stronghold can be a good thing or a bad thing if it's a bad thing it's got it's tentacles wrapped around us and we are enchained, if you like. It's become a stronghold. It's become part of our life and we can't break free. But a stronghold can also be, biblically, can also be a place of strength in the Lord. Uh, and I think the word for that in the, probably the Hebrew, is the word masada. And there's a wonderful place, if anyone is listening that's been to Israel, they might have been up to Masada, and it's a, a stronghold, a, a fortress up on a big a high hill, and that's where the Jewish people would fight their battles because people couldn't get up there. <laughs> so we want a stronghold of strength in the Lord. We don't want a stronghold of fear that is tying us up. Um, let's chat about some other examples. Um Fear for your marriage. Uh, you mm. might have all sorts of yeah. things that are going on within your yeah. own marriage. Uh, some vulnerabilities present themselves, mm. Uh, mm. even broader family influences on your marriage or for your own family. You might be raising young children mm. or you've got teenagers mm. and uh, they're yeah. mixing with the wrong crowd and you're fearful about the direction that they're going. These sorts of things can grip us in a whole lot of different levels. Oh boy, you've just opened a big can of worms there, Neil. Where do I go first? Let me. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, I lived in a lot of fear in the early days of my marriage, uh, and we, thanks be to God, have worked through a lot of things. But fear can cripple a marriage, and we can often turn the fear from the issues in the marriage to the person that we're married to. So that's a real danger that we, we then look at them. They're the problem, okay? It's not me. Maybe I'm not perfect, but hey, look what they're doing. So this is an issue that marriage is between two people, you know, men and women. <laughs> and we are, you know, poles apart. So we're starting off really on the back foot, if you like to put it that way. But God created it like that so that we can work out our issues in a, hopefully a safe environment with a third party, which is God, so that we can get bigger, better and stronger and then go out and be a unified force. So that's marriage. Kids. There's plenty to worry about with kids, right? Yes. <laughs> You've got little ones running around. Um, my granddaughter, who is one and a half, just ran into a corner of a wall and had to have three stitches. So oh, just yeah. something like that. So little kids, you know, they're, they're trouble just looking at them. They're beautiful, but they're trouble. And then when you get to the teen years, wow, I can remember my son as a teen and I had many sleepless nights. You mentioned sleep earlier. So, yes, our families, our environments, our marriages, our communities, there's all areas where we can certainly be fearful. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson. 
helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. You might identify with what we're talking about today. would love to hear from you. 1-800-316-316. Christian therapeutic life coach Peter Sorkia is our guest. Peter, let's talk uh, through some of the practical things that you might be able to do as you think about getting on top of being anxious. Uh, where do you think we start here? Well, it's a bit like exercise, Neil. We want to build our muscles in terms of our body and we want to build the muscles in our heart. So we've got a strong um, body, strong functioning in the body, within the body, body. And it's the same with our spiritual muscle. We need to build that. And so in terms of being anxious, we want to build a spiritual muscle that fights fear at its inception, that fights anxiety just when it's minimal, before it grows into a, a big to-do. And so how do we fight? Well, that's what we can talk about, how to build that muscle. You know, I've got several little tips. Um, but for me, personally, Neil, I've recently been through some loss, quite a bit of loss in my life, um, losing people, my mother and a friend and another friend and an uncle. So all in a short space of time. And there were a lot of things to do for my mother's funeral with all this other grief around me as well. And I began to get quite anxious and I began to have some physical issues and I began to have some sleeping issues. <laughs> so there were a lot of things going on because a lot of things needed to be done in a short space of time. But I recognised that, hey, I know what I need to do. So let's put some of this into practice. Uh, you know, when we align the grief with uh, being anxious, and there's certainly an alignment there, when you say there's mm. physical issues as well, and, you know, mm. yes, we might all identify losing a loved one. Uh, we might not sleep so well at night. But these mm. physical issues, uh, when the physical issues start to overtake you, then, you know, somehow or other you've got to seek some help, haven't you? Mm, yes, absolutely. Um, and certainly I did that and, and I would recommend that if you're listening and you are having some physical issues and you know that they're based around anxiety. And even if you don't know, they could be based around anxiety and you don't realise that. So, yes, definitely see your doctor, see some, a medical practitioner, get some insight into what's going on, perhaps get some spiritual insight into what's happening as well. We need to look at things from all angles. It's not not just one part of the um, the psyche or the person we're looking at. There's different levels of the person. And psychology calls this biopsychosocial, and some psychologists are adding spiritual onto that, which is good. So we are made up of biopsychosocial spiritual components, and that makes us the whole person. So we really need to investigate all of those areas if we are struggling physically or in any other way. And interestingly, when you're adding spiritual into the dimension, that doesn't mm. necessarily diminish these other biopsychosocial uh, areas either, do they? Because uh, there is yeah. something very important that comes from the care that we're receiving uh, from various sources when we're going through some particular times, like you're, you're talking about a journey of grief uh, through losing mm. some loved ones. So there's all mm. sorts of care elements in there as well as the mm. spiritual dimension. Yes, well, they are actually 
all components of a person and they all interrelate and interact with each other. So the physical is affected by the spiritual, is affected by the social, is affected by the other, you know. So each one impacts the other. So just because perhaps you're not sleeping doesn't mean the others aren't concerned or aren't part of that. They are all part of it and you, you press a button on one and you're pressing a button on the others. So attend to whatever is showing up it's like the saw that you're seeing, but there's a saw underneath. So attend to what you're seeing and hopefully you'll start to be able to get down and attend to the other issues, other components as well. Now, we're going to enlarge on some of these things after the news, uh, but we're in this practical space. And I know that there'll be listeners who are saying, well, you know, I've been experiencing my own pain. I've got this grief journey. I've got worry that seems to be endless. It's making me very anxious. Um, some of the sorts of interventions that we might talk about after the news, uh, what's on your list here for the things that you might uh, generally uh, look to to see as how do you actually deal with this anxiousness? Mm. Well, I've got quite a few. I'm going to touch on maybe if we get up to it, up to six today, but there's a lot of them. But being Christians, I think we probably need to start there and get down in your corner yep. with God in the same corner. Um, getting with him is going to give us an insight that perhaps we won't have otherwise. So that's probably where I would suggest we go firstly. Okay, well, this is the thought of uh, being on your knees, and we might not be used to that, but we might know that we're being gripped by uh, anxiety. We might know that we are fearful. We might know that we're even being affected physically, but we haven't been spending much time in prayer. Uh, there's this old saying, you know, a burden shared is a burden halved, mm. And mm. we might look for another human being to help bear our burden. But if you don't have that human being bearing a burden, there's this dimension where prayer actually brings God into the equation and he uh, promises to bear our burdens. How powerful is that? Mm. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart. So he wants to bear our burdens. We are not meant to bear these alone. We are not meant to do life alone. We are meant to do it with God. And if we are very busy and life is busy and perhaps you're busy out there and you're trying to earn the money to pay the bills, you know, we understand that. Um, but unless we have that time with God, we don't have the energy or the stamina or the refreshment to actually go out there and do what we need to do. So we need to spend that time. And it's an easy thing to minimise, to do less of, because in a way we might think it's sort of an extra to our life. But it really is the core of who we are. We are spiritual. God created us. He created us to be in communion with him and in relationship with him. And if that is if we're minimising that, we're doing ourselves a disservice. So I would encourage you, don't, don't minimise that. Spend some time with God. If you can do five minutes more, and if it's only five minutes, do that. It's going to, be, it's going to do something really beneficial for you. Uh, Peter, before we get into some more of this, uh, it's fairly anxiety developing when you think about what you do as regular exercise, doing long-distance swimming in Port Phillip Bay in Victoria. Uh, you're based in Geelong, and you like to swim in the bay, not just in the warmer summer, autumn or spring months, but also right in the middle of freezing cold winter. Uh, tell us about your swimming. 
Okay, just to correct you, sorry, I'm, I'm not in Geelong. I'm in Altona, which is a Melbourne suburb, but not okay. far from Geelong. Okay. Yep. <laughs> um, and I don't do long distance. I do short distance. <laughs> but, yes, um, it's, it's a very good cure for anxiety, and that is cold water. And there's a lot of studies, a lot of studies around this. And I... I discovered it during lockdown. Melbourne, as you know, was the place in the world that had more lockdown days than anywhere else. And so we were stuck and we had a 5K uh, limit where we could go for our exercise. And as a swimmer, I was no good after one week. So I got myself a wetsuit and got in the bay. So it's cold. The water still gets in a wetsuit, but it is invigorating. There's a great group of people that also swim, so I've met lots of people. It's been quite a journey. <laughs> okay, and uh, no fear of sharks? Look, I'm not, I don't even think about sharks. I think once <laughs> I did, somebody said something about sharks, and I thought, what? <laughs> I don't think about sharks, but I do think about jellyfish, and um, jellyfish sting, and although we don't have many, we have the last oh, 12, 18 months in the warmer weather, because of El Nina, so there's been jellyfish, and I've got a wetsuit um, during the colder months from head to toe, everywhere, except on my face. I'm doing freestyle, and where would I be stung twice? But, of course, on my face, and it stings, and it lasts. So that I'm more concerned about jellyfish stings than sharks, believe me. Okay. <laughs> hey, the cold water idea, mm. Uh, mm. is this something that's, you know, do doctors or counsellors mm. say to people, you know, if you're not, maybe you don't swim in Port Phillip Bay in the middle of mm. winter and uh, mm. experience that cold water, but, you know, you can stand under a hot shower and then turn the cold water on. Is this mm. the sort of thing you can do at home? What's the, what's the benefit Absolutely. here, you know, for, of this cold water? Give Absolutely. us some insight here. Okay, well, there's lots of studies on what it does do to the internal workings of our body, but also emotionally and our mental health. So there's lots of studies. People can just Google um, benefits of cold water therapy and they'll find out. But for me, I have, um, I've just started in the morning now changing my shower from warm to tepid to cold. And if you can go for about three minutes, it's hard. I'm up to two minutes. Um, it really does create this feeling of well-being and feeling alive and it's physically therapeutic as well so i would recommend it there's lots of studies uh, people do it in arctic circles so they're doing it all around the world and uh, you will find a benefit so I'm, I'm waiting for you neil to tell me when you've started your cold showers <laughs> <laughs> and i'm just looking at the date it's the 27th of march it's not april fool's day so you could be saying to people you know your, your all your problems will be solved standing under a hot shower and then turning the hot yeah. water off and leaving the cold turned on on a cold day <laughs> hey, let's come back to some of the practicalities of getting on top of being anxious. You mm. mentioned just before the news a really powerful one, and that is mm. getting on your knees before God, inviting mm. him into the challenges that you're facing. And mm. uh, this is one where a lot of people will be able to testify, yes, the anxiousness that I have felt subsides when I invite mm. God into my problems. Mm. Where else do we go from here? Hit us with mm. a, a bit of a list of these sorts mm. of things yep. that you can do. Yep. So with that first one, the presence of God, perfect love casts out fear. We, we're told that and we know that. So that's absolutely a, an essential component of our toolbox. Then there's generosity. Lots of studies around 
what happens to us when we are generous? We actually receive something in return which impacts our well-being. So that's another one. Another one is being anxious about time and learning to manage our time so that we are living in the present moment. And another one would be uh, self-care. We, we are taught to love our neighbours as ourselves, but we sort of put the ourself down the bottom somewhere. Love God, love our neighbour as ourselves. But no, no, love our neighbour as ourselves. So actually, we need to love ourselves. So self-care is really key. Um, friends, nurturing friends in your world, having a group of friends that impart to you, that's pretty awesome. And number six, which I've just tacked on, it's a, a new one, that is get the person inside you out. Oh. We'll get to that one. Okay, all right. We'll hold the thought on that. Uh, let's right. come back to, to some of these and maybe a thought or two uh, on the one you mentioned, uh, giving, being generous. Mm. Now, this mm. is an interesting thing because Christians are encouraged to give. Mm. You know, mm. if you go along to a church service, somebody will pass an offering bag around or you'll be giving yes. online somehow like that. Uh, the giving aspect, the generosity, even if you are under pressure, does that alleviate anxiety is this a little bit like a practical expression that you might have when you're on your knees inviting god in because if you're giving to god you're inviting him in how does this work mm-hmm. um, it depends on the heart if we give cheerfully and if we give knowing that god is our source our provider our jehovah jireh if we give in that way in confidence then that will relieve anxiety if we give and feel more concerned about our giving, it won't do anything for our anxiety. And in fact, it will increase it. So it really is about the heart here. Watch how you give. And look, the way to, to do that is to just seek God before you give. What should I be tithing, Lord, at this point when things are so tough? You know, I've done all the sums and I don't know if I can do that. God, what are you saying? Maybe God's saying give more. But whatever you feel, that's where the peace is. And then you can give cheerfully and that makes will make a difference so give tithing generous generously to others in your world give whenever you can and honestly the benefits to you are enormous okay you're feeling anxious uh, mm. you mentioned uh, well you know loving god that might be a part of uh, what you do if you're getting down on your knees uh, yeah. loving others you said love yourself loving ourselves as a Mm. sort of a remedy here for some of this anxiousness what do you mean by that what i mean by that is self-care and we care for ourselves when we love ourselves and if we don't love ourselves very much it's very hard to put ourselves somewhere on our priority list to look after ourselves but if we do nurture ourselves because of our self-love because god first loved us then we can look after ourselves and when we look after ourselves we've got more to give so it's it's a big component of reducing anxiety when we have enough time for ourselves when we take some time out when we um, pamper ourselves a little bit this week i'm actually taking a pan because i need to Um, because I've had a rough couple of weeks and all of a sudden this little sort of juxtaposition of things appeared where I could do it. And I thought, oh, movies, popcorn, (laughs) let me do it. So um, that's just a bit of self-care that I'm putting in for myself because I need it, because I minister to a lot of people. And sometimes when we do that, we just become empty and I'd become a bit empty to the point I was doing sort of mad things. So if you are getting to the point where you're on the edge, self-care, put it up there. 
So it's important. Well, we are talking about uh, are you anxious? Let's take a call and our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Julie in Narragin in WA. Hi, Julie. Welcome. Hi, thank you. What are um, your thoughts? I'd just like to come... Thank you. Well, um, I have studied the Bible to, to a reasonable degree. And um, from what I can gather, faith, really. Faith is the head chemist, faith in God. And um, the way I, I read it is that our body is the temple of God. And, um, you know, it's about love, loving yourself, loving your neighbor. But if you love yourself, you you treat yourself with good thoughts, good um, God-given thoughts, and um, you have that belief, belief in God. Jesus says, those who believe in me will be healed. And I think it's all about um, feeding ourselves those thoughts that transform that ke- our chemistry into um, wellness and health. And um, the faith, being the head chemist, actually transforms our chemistry by having that faith in God. Mm. Julie, wonderful thoughts in there. Uh, Response from Peter. Mm. Look, that's great, Julie. You've obviously got a good understanding of faith and a good understanding of the head chemist. (laughs) And I I love that. It's a really good um, phrase. And I, I also picked up that you said feeding good thoughts. And I think that's such a key, isn't it? We can have bad thoughts and we can sit there and live there, which then feeds more bad thoughts. But if we're feeding good thoughts into our mind and if we're feeding God thoughts into our mind, yes, it does change our chemistry. You're absolutely, absolutely 100% correct there, Julie. So thank you so much. It's um, very informative and, and good going, girl. Keep going. Thank you. I did want to add one more thing, if, if that's all right. Sure. Yep. Um, well, I think when it comes to thoughts, we do have a choice of which thoughts we allow to to really enter into our minds and um, which choice, uh, the choice of which ones we can reject. And I, I read somewhere that there was a study done on this. And um, I think a lot of our problems are based on that, the choice of the thoughts that, you know, some, of, some people choose thoughts that aren't healthy. And um, I think it's a matter of just um, setting a barrier with those and, um, and, you know, dismissing them and choosing ones that are more healthy, that are in line with what God wants. Um, so to me, that works. That works quite well. And I, and I think really we should put faith primarily in God. Um, I think by, I, I haven't been to a doctor now for 10 years and I've practiced this. And I find I don't really need and need anyone else apart from God. God is the almighty healer. And um, Julie, that's a very good and uh, very interesting aspect here. Of course, uh, uh, we would encourage people to go to a doctor if you are having symptoms of all sorts of things. But it's interesting, isn't it, uh, when you are uh, connected to God, uh, he is the one who... Uh, where you find your identity. Uh, This is the interesting uh, aspect here and some of the thoughts that Julie's sharing there because uh, as a temple of the Holy Spirit, uh, we see ourselves differently. There's a 
there's a dimension here in the identity that we have because you could be a self-loathing person thinking all of the wrong thoughts and picking up all sorts of cues other than from what God says about who you are and and your value. Those are the sorts of things that are very powerful. And if you're connected with God and you're understanding his words and you're understanding that he sees you a whole lot differently than you might even see yourself, the potential that you have, those things become very powerful. Uh, a, a thought or two here from you, Peter, mm. around uh, yes. you know, what Julie's sharing and, and yes. uh, this identity issue. Yeah, look, I just I do want to address just something here, and that is that this all sounds wonderful and is true and is truth. However, there are some people that having had trauma, particularly early on in their lives, can't make that rational choice, although they want to. So although, Julie, for you this is marvellous, and I agree 100%, there are people that can't actually do that. And so we do need to get some help when we are in that situation so that the tangled web of our, um, our mal-thoughts our negative thoughts can be untangled and we can get some clarity. So then it, it can be a journey, it can be a slow one, can be a quick one, depending on what sort of trauma has occurred, to move from that place of tangledness to clarity. And so that's a, a, a might take some time. But thank you, Julie, you, you're correct. For some people, that's not so easy. Julie in Narragin, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Let's come back to some of these really practical things that you've begun to talk about, Peter. One of the ones you mentioned was nurturing and building a group of friends in Mm. your life. Uh, Mm. How important is this friendship issue? Well, it's important. We are created to be in community, not just with God, but in community in, in our lives in our as we exist. So we are created to perhaps be married. And so there's a small community and then with children, the community's getting better. We've bigger. We've got neighbours around us. We've got extended family. We go to work and there's another community and we're in our church community and then we're in the witnessing community, whatever that looks like. So in all those communities, there are people that will rub us up the wrong way and there are people that we can find that can be a support to us and we can be a support to them. So again, studies show many, many times that being in some sort of a community does make a big difference. And in fact, there was a study done recently in 2022 of people 75 years and older. And what they did, some of them had cognitive impairment, in other words, some sort of dementia, some didn't. So they put them into two groups all mixed up. And one of the groups had a weekly video chat with some other people. And, and some of the others didn't. So that was the control group who did not. The experimental group had the chat. And then after a period of time, they checked the cognitive abilities, they checked the thinking, they checked the well-being of both groups. And those that had had the friends and were chatting actually in every area surpassed those that did not have that chatting group. So being in a group of friends, talking about yourself, listening to others is very therapeutic. And uh, interesting because you can have friends at different levels. You could Mm. meet friends to play sport each week, but you might not necessarily be sitting around and 
talking through life together. I think the sort of friendships you're talking mm. about are those sort of life support type of uh, mm. gatherings where you can be a little more intimate and uh, understand yeah. the challenges that each one's going through. Hey, we're taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's take another call. Karen is in Port Campbell in Victoria. Hi, Karen. Welcome. Hi. How are you going? Very well, Karen. What are your thoughts? Yeah, just really enjoying the program while I was working. Um, And I just wanted to say, yes, um, I've been through a lot of trauma. I had a wonderful Christian upbringing, but um, my married life ended nine years ago when my dear husband was taken very suddenly. Uh, He just turned 49, so it was really, really hard. Um, I suffered terrible anxiety after I lost him and I was really, you know, just praying heaps. I had wonderful family praying for me, but I really found I needed to go on to medication. So I just wanted to put it out there that sometimes, no matter what, um, you just need that extra bit of help to get you through um, because I was starting not to want to go outside And it was just a really, really tough time for me. And then, of course, when COVID hit on top of it, um, being alone and being isolated um, was really hard. So until you get out, but I ended up with great help. I joined a Zumba class three years um, as a widow and I got a great circle of friends and started having fun again. And that just put a smile on my face. Mm. And I just thought, yep, I've got the joy of the Lord back again, which is fantastic. Mm. But he, mm. he did help me through those dark times. But gosh, it's it's tough. It's really, really tough. Karen, and I still miss my dear man every day. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Thank mm. you so much for uh, being courageous and giving us a call today. Peter, mm. what are your thoughts no for Karen? Oh, Karen, my heart goes out to you at 49. It's too sad and it's so unfair and we wonder what God's doing. But God has a plan, you know, whatever that is. And um, I, I certainly can understand that, yes, you needed to get some help. You were getting to a point where you couldn't get out or didn't want to go out of the house. So, yes, you definitely needed to get that help and you got that help. And um, I don't want anything that I'm saying to in any way um, make people feel that they don't they shouldn't have medication. Look, we live in a time and um, a place where we can get some chemical help if something is going askew in our mind and our brain. So, yes, we, we can live at this time and take advantage of that. There's some wonderful doctors, some wonderful science out there to help us. So if we need to do it, we need to do it. And we, we take medication under doctor's orders for as long as we need to. And then wherever possible, if we can, we start to come off it if we can. So that's sort of my take on it. And I'm so glad that, yes, you were very courageous to, to bring that up today and to add that to the mix because it is a very important thing that we do need to, as Christians, not just poo-poo the medical profession. Um, God put the medical profession there. We are very blessed to have it and we, we utilise it. We don't want that to be perhaps always our first 
port of call. Perhaps God is our first on the way to the doctors. I don't know. But um, certainly, yeah, we can balance that up with, with God and with medicine. And so good on you. And look, I'm so glad you got into Zumba and you're moving your body. It's a great thing, isn't it? It's fantastic. Oh, I just, I because I've been a dancer all my life. Oh, and okay. And I got to that three year and I thought, I just want to start having fun again. I'm just, yes. I want to smile. I want to be happy. Yes. I know my darling man's looking down on me and that's what he would want me to be doing. Yes, And yes. so, um, and, and I was just, I mean, I put off and put off even. I had a lovely Christian counsellor and she kept saying, oh, look, just, just give medication a go. You know, I really think from the trauma that you've suffered, mm. you, you need re- rewiring. Mm. And I just thought, oh, I don't really, I don't really. But anyway, I just got to the stage where I just thought, this is yeah. no life. You know, right. I'm a young young lady. I want to get out there and yeah, good and on you. So I did, and and you know, life's still hard, but I've got so much joy, and I've been so blessed now with four beautiful grandchildren in the last Aww. four years, and it's yeah. So um, I just I just wanted to put that in for the people who may be really struggling, um, as I was, uh, that that sometimes yeah. Just getting out there, talking about it with someone uh, can really help. And if you're a Zumba person, go Zumba. (laughs) Well, Karen, thank you so much for calling through today. And uh, we won't be able to take any more calls. But Karen in Port Campbell, uh, thank you so much. Interesting, as we tie some loose ends together here, Peter, because Mm. uh, and it's it's for most people who might seek help. Uh, for anxiety, uh, many of them will actually uh, talk through that issue with their GP. Mm. Now, interestingly, while we talk about our faith and bringing God into the circumstance, as a Christian believer, you might say that medical science supports our faith. Mm. Uh, The secular person might say, well, that faith dimension supports the medical science. I think we'll err on the side of saying we'll put our faith in God first. But the interesting thing for a lot of people Mm. who don't share these sorts of burdens with the group of friends that they might have with their church or they aren't sitting in the office and talking with their pastor around some of these things, they are going to go, first of all, to their GP. That may Mm. not even be a bad thing, but the faith dimension in all of this is what we're talking about today. The Christian person has these extra tools in a toolbox. Any Mm. final thought to, to mention around those sorts of things, getting things in a... Uh, you know, in a sort of a, a, a priority order as to how you think about dealing with the anxieties that we have? Mm. So the priority for me as a Christian is to go to God first and to seek his will about what I should be doing, whether that includes going to the doctor. It probably will if there's a, enough things going on. Um, so as Christians, we we want to believe God to, for our healing, but we also want to do whatever we can do to support that. So that's the priority, I would think. Um, with all of these things that I've been talking about today, they're all just that. They're all just little tools in a toolbox. And some will suit some and some may not. Um, but one thing I do want to just add at the end, and that is to get the real you out. And there's a real you inside. And there could be layers and layers of pain and struggle and anxiety that have layered up over the years. And so that's who you've become. But the real person inside is the real spiritual essence of you. And that's who God created. So my thing to you is to get that person out um, via the Holy Spirit 
Um, fight on the level that you understand that fear is a spirit. Know that God casts out fear because of perfect love and that's who he is. Um, be generous with your time. Get some friends around you who are godly. Maybe friends from different areas of your life with different things to impart. So it's a whole rounded impartation that you're receiving. But last but not least, over all of those things depend on God. He's, he's our source. Wonderful. And uh, if you're saying what's normal, uh, that scripture from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Peter Sorkia, always wonderful getting your down-to-earth, wonderful overflowing insights. It really is just so refreshing. Peter's a former pastor, now a Christian therapeutic life coach. She leads Peter Empowering You. You might want to connect with Peter at her website, peterempoweringyou.com. And Peter, just before I let you go, and we've gone over a couple of minutes here, but very, very quickly, um, have you got some online forums that people can join into coming up? Uh, yes. Uh, no, actually, no. Okay. <laughs> I've got a big year this year, so we're taking it easy. But there's always just um, connect with me by subscribing to my website. You will receive blogs. I don't overwhelm you at all, maybe one or two a month. And that way you can connect with me. We can have a chat. There's also um, daily gems and amens that come straight to your phone. So you can connect via my website there too. So love to hear from you. Uh, please do connect with me if you want to further continue this conversation. PeterEmpoweringYou.com. Check out Peter's books too. Unfrazzle and Redazzle, uh, Finding Real Peace, God's Peace, Freedom and Beauty. And then another one called Inquisitive, a reflective journal, Finding Meaning in the Middle of Your Mess. PeterEmpoweringYou.com. Peter, thank you so much for sharing your heart with us once again today on 2020. Thanks so much for having me, Neil. It's been a great pleasure. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.